About this, and it's currently doing a little dance. You may want to make the make sure that they're aware that they are being recorded on my end as well. Like I'm hearing uh, them as well. Okay. Honey, I don't just, mind. I just want to make sure that they're comfortable with that information. Just to make sure you know and are comfortable, you are also being recorded on Sam's end. So they they went like. So I'm going to take that as a, yeah, they they don't give a shit. Hey, my disclaimer's out. My responsibility ends here. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with that audio. I give you full permission. God, make an Aiden remix. Just remix the word fuck into a dubstep track. <laughs> God, I... Okay, there are definitely, like, some jokes that do not hold up, but I did rewatch Deadpool 2 last night. That is such mm-hmm. a better movie than the first one. So much better. I remember really enjoying it. I don't know if I'll enjoy it as much now, but... I I enjoyed it, like, fairly fairly well. Like, I, I do think there are, like, one or two jokes that, like, weren't the best, but, like... I don't know, I really enjoy, like, it's called, like, more interesting stakes than the first one. Of, mm. there's this kid, we have to stop him from becoming a killer, because, like, he's just a kid. Like, there are yeah. people who will do that, like Dopender, as he hits the bad guy with a taxi. God. God. True. Um, so... I guess I'm I'm going to go ahead and start talking as if we're on podcast now. This is beginning of podcast speaking time. Um, it's podcast time. It's podcast time. I'm, I cannot believe my computer just like completely ate shit this week. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I'm that still is kind of, unfortunate. It's, it's like unfortunate. I'm not like too mad about it. Just like we were playing ARC and then all of a sudden, I wasn't playing Ark anymore, and my screen was dark. 
Uh, that was not meant to rhyme, but, you know, so, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, I opened it up, and my, like, debug uh, LED was like, oh, yeah, your graphics card is toast. And I'm like, are you sure about that? And I reseeded it, like, twice. I even plugged it into the other, um, the other uh, PCI port, and nope, nothing. Uh, I tried Cedric's card, and then my whole computer seems to be toast. So, uh, we're just gonna have to use a laptop from now on. I'm gonna have to re-download Ark, which is a 200 gigabyte game. Are you sure you want to re-download potentially the thing that totaled your computer? If I say yes, would that be irresponsible? No, but I just want to make sure that you are making this choice with the information fully available to you. I'm just going to say, for the record, I I do think it it may have been my computer trying to stop me from playing a totally legally downloaded copy of Cyberpunk 2077 that I totally legally downloaded to uh, make fun of it. (laughs) Fair enough. I, I, I really do think, like, it totally knew what I was about to do, and it was just like, mm-mm, nah, I'm not doing this. And it's just like, alright, bye. Oh, god. I do hope my dinosaurs are okay, though. I hope they have enough kibble. Don't worry, there's a second arc coming. There is a second arc coming. I, I, I have to be honest, when I saw that trailer, my very first thought, okay, our cats are fighting right now. That's very good timing. Um, when I saw that trailer, the very first thought I had was, huh, so we're just not going to fix the first one, huh? Like, have I... Don't have need I, to. New game's out. <laughs> you're right. Have I told you how badly optimized, like, Ark is for the Xbox, specifically? I have an inkling. It's so poorly optimized that when Aiden opens the server browser, it crashes the game. Oh my god. (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) Like, I literally, like, they cannot open the server browser. So I have to, I have to join the server first and invite them. Like, through Windows 10. It's such a fucked up game. I've been enjoying it. But it's so fucked up and stupid. Ugh, okay. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into this mess of an episode? Let's just introduce the podcast, introduce ourselves, and get into Bleach. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you're listening to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Lily. I'm your co-host, Sam. And I apologize ahead of time for the low energy that both of us are exuding for this episode because it's not a great episode it's not but it's not like it it is what i will give the episode the first episode we're talking about i will give it this it's not an episode that makes me mad it it didn't make me mad either mostly because like i kind of knew what to expect going in it was more that it felt like I was watching nothing. Like, I, I I think I described it fairly well. Like, when I said in in our Discord, as I was watching it, it literally felt like I was watching a wall 
with the Joker drawn on it because it was trying to be very funny and it was not very funny. How, how many times did you laugh during this first episode, Sam? Mm. At least once. At least once. I think I think I laughed a total of one time. I I don't remember the exact moment, but I think it was one time exactly. Uh I'm just going to get right into this. We're probably not going to go too deep on discussion. I say digging our grave even further. Uh, knowing us, um, my, my summary does start with UG several times, uh, very long. Um, so let's just get into it. Episode 50, The Reviving Lion. Yuzu sews a pretty outfit for Kon, who she still believes is a girl named Bostov. She realizes that she needs different colors and runs out of the room to go get some, while Kon solemnly thinks about his time with Yuzu as a stuffed animal, with his hands literally sewn to other stuffed animals. Don Kanonji arrives outside with a bit of a dumb gag as children matches, like, there's like children running by and they match his, like, lip sync, and it's like, it's a gag, but it took me a second to even register what was happening. Then he's hit with Karin's soccer ball, and she gets mad at him for parking his limo outside her house. He calls her Karakura Red, stating that it's been a long time, and she dismisses this, asking what he wants. They go on a bit about how TV shows are taped in advance, and Karin's just like, Your show's been cancelled, hasn't it? I, I will say, like, this bit's, like, okay. Like, th- I think the Karin Kanonji stuff is probably, like, some of my favorite stuff this episode. Like, Karin has, like, the best stuff this episode. What annoyed me... So, in the first, um... In the first Karakura Rangers episode, Kanonji's, like... He's trying to get a group... Yes, it's for his show. But you kind of get a feeling that he's also doing it to, like, you know, make the city a better place. In this one, he's literally like, my show got cancelled and I'm trying to bank on the popularity of children, so get to work and get make me famous and it made me really dislike him this episode like i just i couldn't jive with him at all i agree i didn't like him at all either because like i i think what was wrong with kanonji this episode specifically was he didn't feel genuine at all like the, the past times we've seen him, he has, like, some sense of, like, genuine morality and, like, being, like, overall, like, a good dude. But, like, this episode, he was just, like, going eccentric to the max and trying to be funny so hard that, like, all of the jokes he made, like, just failed. Yeah, or they're jokes about how, like, he is explicitly trying to exploit these kids. Yeah, because he because he's talking, he's like muttering under his breath about like how they're gonna make his ratings go up again and whatever, and then he's like, "Oh, you weren't supposed to hear that," and I'm like, "Buddy, bud." Previously, bud. it was at least like, "Oh, these are kids with spirit powers." Like I was a kid with spirit power, and then he's kind of like trying to teach himself. Um, it's still in service of like his career, but less explicitly so. This time, it's just 100 percent this, and Car- Karen like understandably tells him to get bent and goes inside yeah she just leaves um karin theorizes that his show did not receive high enough ratings to keep going they go on about this for a bit and yeah she she just like gets up and leaves uh 
she calls, like, what he's doing, like, a waste of time. And Kanonji begs her to come back as Kone drops out of the window above, like, right behind Kanonji. And then Kone's like, ah, oh, I'm gonna get out of here. And then Kanonji's like, ah, oh, a moving stuffed toy. And Kone just, like, tries to pretend to be a robot and it doesn't work, and Kanonji's like, ah, is this a bad spirit? And then smells him? He sniffs him real good. (laughs) Oh, no! You're gonna make me put that in the podcast? (laughs) I'm I'm gonna put it out into the ether, and it will be your choice as editor to decide whether or not it makes it into the podcast. (laughs) I leave this terrible responsibility in your hands. You have the power, but also the power to not use this terrible gift I've given you. I'm I'm going to use it. I'm I'm also going to issue an apology to our dear listeners. Jesus Christ. Um he like determines that Cone by sniffing that is not a bad spirit. He's just a strange spirit. He goes on about needing a mascot, and Kone is mad that Kanonji just, like, decided this for him. Kanonji tells Kone that he'll be a hero of justice, which makes Kone have visions of boobs, making him accept the offer. Aiden just did a double take when I said that. <laughs> uh, and then Kone calls himself Karakura King. Yuzu shows up and asks if he came back to film more of his show, which Kononji explains that he's going on a journey with his new team member, who looks suspiciously like Bostov. My summary may be a little, be a little jumbled because I was so uninterested in this episode that I was trying to get this done without losing my mind. Um, <laughs> she like shakes Kon's hand and she takes back the mantle of Karakura Yellow before presenting a new superhero costume to Kon. He's impressed and realizes that she's only been dressing him in frilly clothing because she thinks he's a girl. Um, I'm, okay, really quickly, I'm just, like, this is obvious. It should be obvious to anyone listening. This, like, really weird, like, forced feminization thing they're doing to Cone is really terrible and I hate it. Yeah, well, it's like, his entire character so far has, like, after we get the initial drama and, like, sadness of his condition, his entire character has just been, oh no, I'm being forced to wear dresses and play with dolls. How terrible. This is the worst thing in the world. I'm gonna run away. And, like, he doesn't have a character other than this. Like, yeah, it's not, like, a great situation for him to be, like, you know... He, it's explicitly he's being referred to as a different gender than he is. It's like, that's not cool. But it's like, Yusa doesn't know. Yusa's a kid. And also, he doesn't have, like, he doesn't need to hang out there. There are other places he can hang out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It It's definitely, like, not great. It's, I, like, I think the intent, like, writing it is probably, like, not great. And that's why it feels so bad. But... I don't know. It. I definitely think it could be worse. It's just not good overall. Yeah, it could definitely be worse. My main, my main issue with it, I, I suppose, is that this is all like every time Khan shows up, this is always the problem. It's this or he's horny. That's literally the two things. Yeah, it's it's always one or the other. Usually both. Uh, well, usually horny specifically for high school girls. 
because it's always very specific characters. Uh, and like that's always like, oh, come on, like I don't, I don't need to see like a harem scene with all these high school girls. Come on, Bleach, you're better than this. Sometimes you're better than this. <laughs> uh, Kanonji says they need to find the rest of the team. Well, Yuzu is just amazed that Kone can walk. They go to Urahara shop, and Kone is hit by trash, and then blasted by a hose by Ururu, and Jinta is like, whoops, didn't realize someone was here when I threw out the trash, and then Kone is like, wait, we're at Urahara shop. While Ururu, while, while Ururu rings out Kone's body, Kanonji requests that Jinta and Ururu come back to the team, with Jinta revealing that he actually received a huge scolding last time, and that he's not taking orders from Kanonji, before immediately changing his mind and deciding to take orders from Kanonji when Yuzu asks if he really means it. I do like the, like, I am generally super down on Jinta, and I'm pretty down on him in this episode as well. I do like the scene where... Like he's look like Yuzu's looking at him and she's like expecting him to join, so he's you know, he's getting all shy and it's like, oh, he's he's a little kid with a crush and he doesn't want to like lose face, so he's like, uh I guess we'll help, fine, whatever. It, uh, it it's is like cute. It's a really like cute and charming uh, moment. I was like, Alright, good on you, Jinto. Like, finally. Honestly, like I, I would be here for like the little like side panel gag where like Jinta, like, learns to be a little bit less of a shit, but from Yuzu. <laughs> like, that would be kind of nice. Yeah. And as we've previously stated, let Ururu and Yuzu hang out. <laughs> Please! Jinta declares himself Karakura Red once more, while Ururu says that Tessai would not like this. Um, there's, like, a really weird shot of Jinta's crotch? While Yuzu convinces Jinta to join... And Jinta convinces Ururu to join, since it would make them both guilty. Uh, Ururu's still reluctant, but Yuzu fully convinces her. Kun believes this to be a nightmare and attempts to leave, but doesn't get far when Yuzu asks him to come train. Then they go to a park and launch Kun off a water fountain for some reason, and claim the first training session is done, and then Kun is in a huge frilly, frilly dress, which he hates. And he's like, what is the point of this? And the team's like, you look cool. And they do a little dance. And then Yuzu pulls a string. And Ududu is like, hey, you shouldn't pull that string. Before the dress flares open, revealing a ton of fireworks that suddenly go off. And Ududu's like, wow, this was a failure. It would have been prettier at night. And then Kon runs off because he's annoyed. Yeah, like, it's, they're saying, like, yeah, we're training. But really, it's just like, what kind of... How can we attempt to destroy this this con? What what terrible ordeal can we put him through, really? It's really weird because like in a normal situation I wouldn't mind seeing bad things happen to Con, but it's it's also like in with the specific framing of this episode, and I, I think it gets down to like what the overall theme of this episode is, like with it really being about Cone not being in control of his situation, it, it just doesn't feel great because it doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's fun to kick the butt monkey and and see them, like, having a hard time. But if that character literally only ever has a hard time, then it's less fun and it's more like, oh, this is, like, 
super indulgent on a thing. Like, if I don't care about the character because he's ne- he never gets, like, a chance to shine, why do I care about him having, like, a terrible time? Like, it's just, it's just slapstick, right? Like, it's just slapstick. Yeah. It's not, like, a super deep thing. But, like, I can't... It, I'm not someone who enjoys, like, slapstick for slapstick's sake. Uh, so this episode mostly falls flat because I'm like, well, I don't care about Khan's no good, terrible, bad day because as far as I'm aware, this is just literally every day he has. Yeah, that's kind of exactly where I fell. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we do get a quick cut to Karin at home with a headache and then she goes up to like look for Yuzu and she's like, where's Yuzu? And her headache gets worse and she like grabs her head. And then we immediately get a cut to come thinking about Rukia's boobs. And then he screams when he sees something that casts a large shadow. While elsewhere, Kanonji narrates that things were fine until his mascot disappeared. And then he asserts that they can't give up. They hear Khan cry out for help and see him in the sky being carried by a centipede-like hollow. Yuzu is like, wow, he's flying! Since she can't see the hollow. And this is like one of two things I liked in this episode. Yeah, it is a it is a pretty good bit where she's like, oh my god, he can fly too? He's fucking amazing! And then it's like, oh right, she can't see the hollow. She's just she's just seeing a flying stuffed lion. <laughs> it's very good. Kanonji, Jinta, and Ururu plus... It's a hard name. Kanonji, Jinta, and Ururu pose, claiming that this is their first mission, leading Yuzu to pose too. The hollow crashes into a nearby forest, leading Kon to ask if the hollow plans to eat him. She says her plan is to take him home and love him, while she wraps her tongue around him. She lifts him up, and Kon bids farewell to all of the women in his life, and it's a really weirdly, like... Am, am I the only one who, in this... Like, thought this exact shot was just really weirdly sexual. No, well, like, the inflection she gives the the hollow has in her voice, I think, tends, like, adds to it. Like, I think this is on purpose. It's And also, Khan, like, specifically, explicitly uh, saying goodbye to the women in his life. Um, so, But it's just, like, the joke doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> so it's just it's, kind of, like, it's weird. It's just weirdly uncomfortable. It's it's just like, it feels like something like a quarter of the of the hollow that show up in Kawakura Town are like weirdly sexual. So I don't know if this is a theme that Kubo had in mind. Kubo, what what were you thinking? Just send shoot us an email, uh, iwobleachcast at gmail dot com. Come on, Did Kubo. You say shit. <laughs> what are you shit us an email? <laughs> I did not say shit us an email, honey. <laughs> Are you sure? Sam, did I say shit us an email? You said shit us an email. You you said shoot, Aiden said shit, and now it's it's been recorded for eternity. <laughs> Hello and welcome our guest star, my wife Aiden, who whose first real words on this podcast are did you just say shit? Okay. <laughs> oh, fucking damn it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh <laughs> The Hollow lifts Kona up uh with her tongue uh and prepares to place him in her mouth as she bids farewell to all the women in his life. We get like a shot of like <laughs> Orihime and Rukia 
and it, it it's just not good. Uh, the Karakura superheroes arrive just in time, completely uncoordinated, which is probably, like, the one time I laughed. Because they just arrive, and they're all doing, like, completely different uncoordinated poses, and all announcing their presence at, like, very slightly off-beat times. Yeah, they're kids playing Power Rangers. It's, it's great. Fine. It's great. It's good. It's good. Um, to which the hollow responds saying that they should know better to interrupt love and healing. Uh, she names Cone Flatface and claims that anyone interfering with their love life will get sliced and begins attacking. Yuzu is confused while the rest of the team remembers that she can't see spirits. The hollow yeah, it's realizes like Ududu and Ginta are jumping around and dodging attacks that like rend like sunder the earth, and then they're like, wait, fuck. One, Suzu can't do this. Also, two, she can't even see the thing that's attacking her. We fucked up. <laughs> it's really funny, actually. It, like everybody's like doing their own thing and Yuzu's just like, I'm here. <laughs> God. Uh the hollow also realizes this and targets her next. Um she's about to like hit her. When Karin arrives on the scene just in time to save Yuzu in the single actually good part of this episode, which is just this really good part where, like, Karin just jumps and, like, tackles Yuzu out of the way. She, like, carries Yuzu under her arm and she jumps, like, two stories tall. Karin is a fucking superhero. Like, uh, she's the only real superhero in the team. Uh, like... At the same time, like, it tracks with how strong Ichigo is uh, before he even gets his powers. But it's still so funny to just see her, like, she jumps up, grabs uh, Yuzu, and then keeps running for a while with her under her arm. And you're like, what the fuck, Karen? <laughs> like, I would read a series about Karin being a Soul Reaper. I'm gonna be real. Like, that would be kind of sick. I agree. Uh, Karin's like... This is why my head's been hurting, and Kanonji welcomes back Karakura Red, much to Jinta's chagrin. He and Karin bicker a little before Yuzu draws attention to Kone, who is trying to quietly walk away from the hollow. Karin immediately recognizes him as Bostov, but Yuzu's like, no, that's Karakura King! Yuzu asks Karin to help, and Jinta goes ahead, telling everyone else to stay back. Karin follows, and Jinta asks why, but she asserts that she can't leave this up to him since he put Yuzu in danger before he tells her to shut up because she's a girl. Jinta. Jinta's so bad. You are doing great, buddy. (laughs) Was he, though? Sort of. He he was better than usual for most of this episode. Yeah, you know, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Uh... Their anger fuels them, and they run faster, outpacing the hollow and scaring Cone, and then they kick the hollow while bickering, before it slams a talon down between them. The team each does their thing, while the hollow creates a vortex of air. Ururu catches Cone, rips off his limbs, and, like, leaps out of the vortex, before forming him into a ball and throwing him back into the vortex, where he bounces off rocks. Jinta hits him with his bat, and Karin kicks him like a soccer ball. And then Kanonji calls the team attack Karakura Ultimate Buster, as he is hit in the head by a box. I do like that, like, the impact of the ball just fucking... Like white white out explosion just destroys that entire section of forest. It's pretty like I, I will say this was an okay part of the episode. I was like mildly into it. Um it, it like destroys both the vortex and the hollow. 
And then, like, Cone just lands in front of Ududu. Uh, and Jinta's like, where are the others? While Ududu points up to a laughing Kanonji, who is carrying Karin and Yuzu under his arms, the former of which calls him a pervert. Yeah, like, like they land because they're, ba- they're basically superhuman ninja people. And then Kanonji's got a, uh, he actually has a parachute, so he's carrying the other two girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, it, it was, it was alright. It's fine. I, I I wasn't like explicitly against or for this exact moment. Um, Cone asks if he's in heaven before realizing he's not, since it's Yuzu who picks him up, picks him up, asking if he's okay. He states that he seems to be alive, and Yuzu is relieved since it almost seemed like he sacrificed himself to save everyone. Which Cone explains to himself mentally that this was not his choice. Which is, you know, the running theme this episode. Later, Kanonji... Well, we do... Okay. I I skipped this in the summary. I shouldn't have. We get, like, a little shot of, like, a cardboard box that's, like, following them with a camera? Yeah, like, the cardboard box that hits uh, Kanonji in the twister. And I think it's visible in in a bunch of scenes throughout the episode. It's basically, oh, Kanonji has been secretly recording this for his TV show. All of it. it- it's super he's, shady. He's being a creepy. He's being creepy. Like, when I first watched this episode, I wasn't really sure if he, like, deserved the pervert comment, but, like, God, it's it's really creepy that he just records all these children without their permission. Um, <laughs> fucking, he, like, shows off all the footage at a press conference to, like, an enthralled audience, and Yuzu watches excitedly, and Karin's like, how did... Uh, when did he record this? And Kanonji calls Kone a sad spirit and wand- and wonders his fate, while Yuzu looks to Kone, who is back in a sailor outfit. Uh, should be noted, it's more like a... like Not like a sailor outfit like you'd expect, it's like a Sailor Moon outfit, especially. Um... And he's still tied to the other two stuffed animals, begging internally for mercy, ending the episode. I do like the bit where Yuzu's excited to see her sister on TV. She's like, look, you're a hero, you're on TV, yay. Yuzu is, like, the big constant, like, thing I enjoyed about this episode. Um, I think the rest falls very, very flat. Um, I think the one, like, Karakura Ultimate Buster is, like, a decent piece of animation that's, like, fun to watch. But, like, none of the jokes land. The theme falls flat because with... Excuse me. With it being a filler episode, they're not really allowed to change the status quo. So, it's just like, hmm, this didn't land. Yeah, it's just... The episode as a whole just doesn't land. It's it's not infuriating or anything. It's just, like, an episode where I ended up looking at the clock a lot, wondering when it would be Same. over. Me too. Me too. And because Sh- there, because this episode is an anime original, there are no manga notes to go over. Which I think means we can just go ahead and cut to a five minute break. Sounds good.
Let's get back to business and defeat the cone. I'm leaving this call right now. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> success. I'm I'm liter I'm putting this in the episode so you know. <laughs> How much of it? Just this let's bit? Do, yeah, just the let's get down to business and defeat the cone. I'm putting that in. Yeah, I sing it like every episode or almost. Usually when you get up and go away. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it's my little personal, alright, time for episode two <laughs> song. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get through episode two. Let's get back to episode 51, Morning of the Sentence. The episode opens on a much more dour and serious note compared to the last one, uh, where we, we basically just get shots of Hitsugaya and Gin walking with their respective captains, and then we get uh, Rukia being escorted out of her cell by, like, 12 dudes. <laughs> it, it is, like, an honor guard, at least. Like, it, it it's like a, a... We mentioned this when she was being... When she was brought to her cell in the first place. Uh, yeah. It's a... It feels of... It's a very ceremonial... Um, like, oh, this is, like, the honor guard taking this person to the set, to the place. And now it's just... It's the exact same. It's the same setup. It's very interesting. I do I do actually really like the tone of this episode and how it's just like um I, I like that it's like uh this execution is to talk like for everyone. Like the captains are like not sure like whether they actually like think the execution is right. I I, I like this stuff. It's good. Yeah, most of the episode is go is ba- we're basically going to be checking in on uh, all the active captains and their vice captains and kind of seeing how they feel about what's going on. Uh, so, but before, before we get that, we get, uh, we get some street sweeping Shinigamis and they're basically just, they're complaining about being hungover and like some shit that went down at the, like the poker game or whatever the night before, uh, before all the important members of Division Eleven and Aramaki run past them like in one shot <laughs> and uh they and you know we see that on Zaraki's back usually there's Yachiru but this time there's also Urihime and, I honestly uh, loved this <laughs> and it's like uh, that's great enough but there's also like as they run past and you know the street sweepers are like oh fuck oh shit it's the ca- oh no oh god oh god uh <laughs> but then like Ikaku like he, he pot like he's running in place like he stops moving forward for a little bit just being like Guys, like you can slack off, but you know, be fuck, be fucking smart about it. Like, don't just do it out in the open where anyone's gonna find you. And then he just keeps running. Yeah, it's so. And good. I love it. I'm like, thank you, Ikaku, the fucking third seed of your division, just being like, you can slack off, just don't get caught. Yeah, honestly, it, it fits his character extremely well. Uh. Zaraki asks Orihime, like, okay, where where are we headed? But before she can answer, Yachiru headbutts her. <laughs> and uh, that's also when we learned that, oh, turns out... We were thinking earlier that maybe Yachiru is, like, actually really good at, uh, at sensing spirit pressure. Uh, if she is, her squad doesn't think so, because Yumichika and Ikaku are both like, oh no, she is as terrible at sensing spirit pressure as the captain is. She's just completely dog shit at it. She's gonna get us lost every time. <laughs> I'm I'm into it. I'm I'm honestly into it. They're they're the perfect match. 
in the cells where all of where the intruders had been uh, had all been placed, Uryu just like he just has a moment of calm and peace at the sight of a butterfly coming through the window, and he's like, "Ah, uh, is it spring outside? I wonder." Uryu has taken to losing his Quincy powers as if he's just found out he's going to die in a week. And he's just like, ah, time to enjoy every moment of life that it gives me. Yeah, he's just like, ah, peace, beauty. (laughs) Like, I I (laughs) appreciate, I guess I appreciate the side of you, Uryu. It's it's really funny to see. Uh, he gets into a, a bit, a little row with Ganju, where, cause, like, Ganju keeps using his first name, and, you know, they get a bit of a, they get into, like, a little argument about, like, familiarity and all that. But then there's, like, the steadily rising sounds of mayhem, chaos, and people desperately crying for help. And even Ganju's like, uh, do you think it's getting louder? <laughs> and before anyone can answer, the ceiling caves in, and Zoraki shows up with, ev- like, with everyone. It's so fucking which, funny. Which obviously has Ganju, Chad, and Uryu being like, oh my god, what, what the fuck is happening? Uh, but uh, then we get to uh, we get Orihime. She's like, pokes her head out from Zoraki's back. And at first it's like, she looks like she's struggling to like, to get over his shoulder. And then we see what's going on behind Zoraki where Yachiru is like holding onto her and she's swinging and she's like, fall, fall down. You're going to fall down. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, <laughs> Yachiru, you, you complete gremlin. She just hates that someone else is getting to share her ride. Like she's very clearly jealous of Orihime. I'm gonna be real, I think the Yachiru, like, Orihime stuff is, like, so good. I did not expect to love their chemistry, but I really do. Because Orihime is just like, oh my god, Yachiru, stop, please. Please, I'm just <laughs> trying to hold on. It's so good. Uh, we we cut from this to Byakuya, who is contemplating solemnly uh, an altar to a dead woman, Hisana, who looks remarkably like Rukia. Uh, before, and then, like, we kind of cut from this scene to the most intense uh, sliding dogeza I've seen in a long time. Like, it's, like, this really heavy moment with Byakuya. He's looking at, uh, like, uh, the picture of a dead person who's clearly important to him, and we're like, oh, she looks a lot like Rukia. So it's like, was it his mom? Was it someone else? Like, who is this? Uh, And then it's just, like, smash cut to... Tetsuzaimon Iba, the vice captain of the 7th division, taking a running leap of several meters to then land on his knees and fists and sliding another several meters and stopping like a me- directly behind where his captain is standing. <laughs> it's so extra and the animation in this part is so like strangely good. It's so funny. Like, it's just a really good bit. And at the same time, he's, like, very loudly explaining that he's sorry for having fallen asleep on the toilet. But (laughs) Komomura tells him, it's fine, preparations have all been done. You don't have to worry about me making up my mind and buying time. And I was like, oh, okay, because he said, because Komomura noticed that his vice captain knew that he was having doubts. uh, But it's like, doesn't matter. My dedication to the first captain is absolute. He's the one person who wasn't put off by my appearance, and because of that, regardless of what he of what Komamura thinks about the execution, he'll go through with it. Tozen shows up with basically the same thing. He's like, this execution 
regardless of whether I think it's the right thing or not, is the thing it's the fastest way to stop the fighting, and that means we're gonna go through with it. I really like these like these two moments. Um I I really like specifically I really like uh Komamura's reasoning behind it. I think it's very interesting and it like definitely brings more intrigue about what's under the mask. Um and like Tosin it's it's like good that this characterization we're getting for him has been consistent. So, I don't know, I'm happy about it. Yeah, like and like I really like that they're both so both of them here are saying, "Hey, this is the reason that I'm going to be helping the execution go forward. And they both, it's like, they end up having a similar reason, but it is coming from a completely different place, uh, which is, it's good. It ma- it makes them feel like, you know, f- fully fleshed out characters. Um, Absolutely. We get a glimpse of the second division's captain and vice captains who basically are also agreeing because of similar reasons. The vice captain is basically going with whatever he, he kind of seems to just buy into the system. Like, Oh, if the top brass says this is right, then that means this is right. And the captain it's like, it comes to the same answer, but again, it's a completely different way to get there because she says her pride as a captain means she has to fulfill the missions given to her. Um, to the extent where she even tells her vice captain, Hey, if you ever cross me, you're my fucking enemy. But it's like, okay, so she doesn't care if, it's the right thing to do. She's just going, my job is to do the missions that are given to me. She explicitly here says that she has no interest in right or wrong. She instead just wants to focus on her duties and the missions she must carry out to kill the enemies that get in her way. Yeah. And also, just as a note, I really fucking hate Omida. Like, his whole Same. design. He's He's just a big... He's a walking fat joke. He's constantly shuff- He's constantly eating chips. He's got crumbs all over his shoulders. Uh, he's constantly like picking his nose while he's talking to people. Like it's, it's just gross. like a really, it's a really blatant like gross caricature of a character. And it's like every time he's been on screen has been this. It's just really annoying. Uh, thankfully, agree. he doesn't really get screen time. So yeah, it's it's mostly him being like off put by like Soifon being like. Hmm, I don't care about what's right or what's wrong. Yeah, although I think he doesn't care about that so much as he cares about her saying, by the way, if you ever cross me, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) And he's like, absolutely. Why would you tell me this? (laughs) Which, you know, fair. You don't want, that's not something you want your boss to tell you. That probably upsets him. I would certainly not want my boss to tell tell me if you get in my way, I'll kill you. Uh, it, <laughs> I I just immediately had a flashback because because we just watched the first episode of Gundam Wing last night to show Nova. God, the I I'll kill you scene is too much. <laughs> anyway, over on a roof, uh, we have the eighth division pair. Who's they seem more divisive at first. Uh, Kyoraku is like he's laying down and he looks like he's sleeping but then he asks now what he should do and she responds well it doesn't actually matter what I think you should do because you're gonna do whatever the fuck you want but it's okay Uh, I really like this moment she says it's okay because I'm gonna make sure that I'm standing several steps behind you so I don't get in trouble for whatever problems you cause like 
he like he's clearly worrying about her well-being and it's impacting his decision of whether to go through with the execution or not or try to stop to stop what's happening and she's like hey don't worry i understand exactly the problem you have right now and the reason that's like it's causing you anguish and because of that i'm gonna make sure i'm way the fuck over there and you can go wild and just like do whatever it's fine i'm gonna be good so you can do whatever you want it it does give some insight into like their specific relationship like we we've already got like a pretty good enough grounding about where they are, but it just kind of cements that, and it it's consistent. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's just a really good, and it's also like, oh, this is a it's another captain that is going to go against the execution because he's saying like, yeah, old Captain Yamamoto is gonna be fucking pissed at me because I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do, cause trouble. And it's like okay, okay, we're we're getting uh, it's not just like everybody against Ichigo's team now. Yeah, I'm, speaking, I'm into it. And speaking of which, the entire group traveling with Zoraki ends up at an empty lot. And Uri Orihime are like, well, you know, it's probably really stressful and like super difficult to figure out like which, what's the right spirit thread to follow, you know. <laughs> like they're just trying to make excuses for Yachiru. Um, and meanwhile, Ikaku's like, no, she fucked up. She fucked up. Our vice captain's really bad at this. Just <laughs> great. It's uh, really and then, good. and then they notice, like, oh wait, hold on, we're being uh, we're being followed and or watched, and then just like Komamura, Tyson, and both of their vice captains show up, and Tyson's like, hey Zaraki, did you lose your self respect as a captain? And Zaraki just completely no sells it. He's like. He's turning around and he's talking to Aramaki, who's like, stop worrying about those fuckers. Don't worry about trying to fight them. Because if you were going to fight them, I would be the one to kill you because you're in my way. <laughs> I'm going to take all four of them on. <laughs> it's it's especially funny because Kenpachi, like, they're like, did you lose your self-respect? And Kenpachi's like, what self-respect? I've never had that. It was it's like he like they're trying they're trying to talk to him they're trying to like intimidate him and he's like just completely ignoring them <laughs> he's just turning around and being like oh man i'm gonna fuck these guys up it's gonna be great he's so excited uh like komomura not not a fan uh but zaraki like doesn't give a shit he draws his blade and he tells the entire group to get lost because otherwise they would be in the way uh yachiru takes charge she pull she pulls the group away while the showdown continues orihime wonders if zaraki's gonna be okay and that's kind of when we notice that yumichika and ikaku aren't with the group uh, they just show up again, like, next to Zoraki, and they're like, Aha! We'll take on your challenges! Which, and Zoraki's like, oh my god, I just told you guys, I'm going to fight them four-on-one. Uh, <laughs> but Ikaku then just completely ignores him as well. <laughs> like, it's just really, like, I love Ikaku's way of interacting with Zoraki here, where he's just pretending to not hear the parts that he doesn't like. I feel like this is probably, honestly, like... With any other captain, I really feel like this would not get him far, but with with Kenpachi specifically, I really feel like this is exactly why Ikaku is, like, so high up on the list. <laughs> like, just for his brash personality and, like, not hearing what he doesn't want to hear and just going forward anyway. I feel like Zaraki's probably like, you know what? I like your spirit. You're third seat. 
third seat. Yeah, and at the same time, like you, like you see that Ikaku understands who Zaraki is because if he had showed up and he was like, "We're we'll take these guys, Captain. Don't uh, don't worry. You'll be able, like we're gonna take out these guys. So you you have a two on one. If he said that, Zaraki would fucking kill him on the spot. Oh, Instead, absolutely. Instead, he says, "You two are small. Are so small." Like you, you small fry are so weak. You won't. All you're gonna do is annoy our captain. So we're gonna fight instead. And Zoraki's response is like, "Fine, fine. You want to fight? Fine. It's fine. Just do it somewhere else so you aren't in my way." So Ikaku and Ibe like, like they trade words as former squad mates, and it's like, "Oh, okay. Ibe was part of Squad Eleven previously." And Yumi Chika pairs up with Kisagi, and then all four of them just like flash step away. <laughs> I re- I really do like the the really small tidbit about Iba, like being in Squad Eleven before, like and like I- Ikaku specifically saying like he left because he like couldn't become a lieutenant in this squad. I really like that. It- it's just a small detail that adds like just enough like interesting tidbits about this character. Yeah, because, like, oh, you were trying to become a lieutenant? Too bad your lieutenant is fucking Yachiru. Like, yeah. <laughs> Good luck replacing that. Good luck replacing her. Like, I just completely blanked on what I was doing, so I had to refine my, my spot. You're valid. I understand. Komamura just bristles at Zaraki's arrogance, and he, dra- he draws his blade like an erupting volcano. Like, he's pulling it out of his scabbard, and there's a massive flow of energy in the air, and then there's, just, like, this incredibly heavy uh, energy, like, all around him, and then he just, like, slices towards Zaraki, and assu- uh, the dust doesn't even fade before we get Tozen, like, having jumped into the air, and he's telling Komamura, like, oh, by the way, you might want to step back, because I'm gonna smoke this guy. And he just drops down, like, countless blades that shoot down. Uh, both of their attacks together have, like, destroyed the building that they were standing on. Like, just this giant building. And they're both like, well, no one could survive that. Not a single person. And the smoke clears. And Zaraki's, like, he's just fine. He starts pulling out the swords that are sticking out of his body. And he's like, man... I thought this warm-up was going to be enough to wake me up, but it doesn't even look like it'll be that good. <laughs> he, he's just, like, pulling a fucking, like, blade right out of his shoulder. He's like, I'm bored. <laughs> just he's he's so like, I was, I was really excited for this fight, and then you made it boring. Like, God, you suck. <laughs> I thought you <laughs> like, were supposed to be a captain. <laughs> just... Yeah, it's like, oh, damn. Uh, and then... Uh, for the last scene of the episode, we go to the secret training ground, where Renji sheaths his sword, reties his headband, and as he's leaving, he asks Yoruichi if Ichigo will be alright, given that they're, you know, basically out of time. And then it cuts to Ichigo, who is just bleeding all over, and he's about to fight, like, a dozen Zangetsus. <laughs> and he's like, like, he looks like he's having trouble standing, you're like, oh, oh boy. And he's just Yoruichi- like, don't worry about it. I'm good. <laughs> Yoroichi give basically just gives him a speech about natural instinct. She's like, "Oh, did you remember? Did you ever remember like when you started walking?" No, because all humans learn how. All humans know how to walk when they when they're born, and birds know how to fly, and it's all instinct. And I believe that Ichigo has the instinct to attain Bankai, which is like such a weird ass way to put it, but also like. 
you could have just said yes. Like, he, <laughs> he, he just asked you if you think that he'll be okay. You could have just said, yeah, don't worry, it'll be good. <laughs> Remember the morphogenetic fields, Ichigo. Maybe two people will get that joke. Oh my god! Did you get it's, that? It's the end of the episode. The differences in the manga are that uh, we don't get the bit of Yachiru like hanging on Unihime and trying to knock her off Zoraki. We do get the headbutt though. Well, all right. <laughs> God. Let's go through I, this final, this final door, this chi door, if you will. I'm gonna be honest. I I liked this episode way more than I thought I did. Yeah, it's a it's a fun episode. Like it's it's most it's all set up, right? Like there's not it's not super exciting. Uh, it's all it's entirely set up. It's setting up the fights between Zoraki and the captains. It's setting up that Kiraku's gonna fuck some shit up. It's setting up the fights between the vice captains and the two seated officers in the third division in the eleventh division. Sorry, um, but the thing is, it's, it's all good setup. <laughs> yeah, it's setting up that Ichigo is going to hit his breakthrough any moment now, and it's setting up that hey. Renji's like ready to go and the previews for next episode are really exciting I don't want to go into into them but they're really exciting I'm um, I'm pretty hype uh I do want to say I think it is very funny that Renji like the last episode we saw Renji before like the filler uh Renji's just like I'm here now I'm gonna train I'll be over there don't worry about me and then this episode he's just like all right I'm done training bye well, he told them he was on the he was on the cusp of doing the thing that he was planning on doing. Yeah, this uh, is really good. <laughs> he, he was right. He was just like, you know, when you're cramming and you just need like, you know, you just need like that extra hour to get that final thing to lock into place to understand everything. It's like that's what Renji was doing. He was like, I just need a little quiet place, uh, punctuated by the sounds of swordplay and Ichigo yelling in pain, so that I can concentrate on my vanguard. <laughs> My headcanon is that Renji got there, took 15 minutes, and immediately achieved Bankai, and was just like, well, I'm good. I'm just gonna rest up, heal, watch Ichigo get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> oh, this is healing. <laughs> Renji just sitting in the hot spring, watching Ichigo, like, get the shit kicked out of him is, like, the best mental image. Got a mimosa, just <laughs> sipping slowly. Ah, uh, this is the life. <laughs> oh, all right. So I take it there was no more manga differences or nothing important. No, that's li that's literally the only change in the manga is that we oh. don't get that one scene of like Yachiru being a complete gremlin. Oh my god! Well, I'm glad that was added. This has been it'll wash out a Bleach rewatch podcast. Uh, you can find us at Bleachcast on Twitter or email us iwo bleachcast at gmail.com you can find me at, on twitter at lavender underscore pause or on twitch at twitch.tv slash lavender pause and you can find me at ssbslj on twitter this week went by faster than i was expecting uh i'm excited for next week let's get there regardless of what you thought about these episodes next episode next week's episodes are look to be really cool and there's from memory, there is a lot of themes to talk about as well. So I'm really, I'm excited to watch the episodes. I'm also very excited to talk about them. Yeah. So. I'm hype. Enjoy. Enjoy. That's the end of a podcast. That's the end of a podcast. Stay cool, Chads. Stay cool, Chads.
You're mine. 